Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. This episode is brought to you by Practical Prepping for Everyday People, a common-sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. Available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Last episode, we discussed operational security, or OPSEC. This particular episode takes it a step further than that and looks at what we have personally developed that we call our Operational Survival Plan. And we'll get into that. It discusses what we do, the steps that we go through, what we load out if we need to bug out, what we do if we're bugging in, how we go about that, and steps. And again, this is our personal operational survival plan. Yours may differ. But we want to talk about a few things here to begin with. And this first thing, I credit Paul Markle from Student of the Gun. He says that every time you leave the house, you need to carry something lethal. Now, we're aware that not all locations, not all cities, states, or countries are allowed to carry something lethal. But if at all possible, you need to be carrying some type of lethal means, firearms, something like that. He also says you need to carry something bright. He's talking about a flashlight. We've discussed that several times before, and I personally carry two or three every time I leave. One goes in my shirt pocket, one can go on my belt, one's on my keychain. But there are several flashlights that I carry, so we need to be carrying something bright. He also talks about carrying something sharp, a good knife, whether that is a fixed blade knife or whether that's a folding knife or a pocket knife, whatever your preference of knife is, but you need to carry something sharp. Then he says you need to carry something medical. Now, this is up to you as to what you carry. I carry everything from a boo-boo kit in my EDC bag to a, I actually carry two tourniquets, one that is in my EDC bag in a side compartment is a SWAT T tourniquet. I also carry a cat tourniquet on my belt when I'm at work or either in a pocket if I'm wearing blue jeans or even BDU pants or something like that. Now for work, and most of you know that I'm in law enforcement, and we wear a BDU style pants, and in my left pocket I've made my own little blowout kit, a vacuum sealed pack that carries a couple of rolls of gauze, a few bandages, and a small flattened roll of medical tape. And I've actually used this on a gunshot wound in the past when I went in. It's something that I carry that I don't have to go back to the vehicle to get something. And it's right there handy. So I've got a tourniquet on my belt. I've got that pack in my pocket and I've got a tourniquet. And so I've got something medical with me at all times. Now, some of the things that we're going to talk through here, you need to sit down and kind of develop some par levels And par levels just means a minimum amount needed to meet the demand. A butcher has to have a certain amount of beef on hand. Retail establishments have to carry a certain amount of products if they're going to do business. Clothing store, farm supply, gas stations, liquor store, they have to have a certain amount of product on hand to sell. 
Bait shops have to carry enough worms, minnows, crickets, shrimp, squid, whether you're saltwater fishing, freshwater fishing, whatever. They have to carry enough to be able to meet the demand for the day. So they figure out what their par levels are. Now, as we go through and decide on some par levels for some of the things that we're going to have in prepping, we can build these in stages. It's not that you have to go out and buy this all at one time. That'd be quite expensive if you built a vast array of things across the prepping spectrum, but you can build these in stages. First one we're going to talk about is ammo. We would appreciate it if you would consider supporting our podcast by buying us a cup of coffee. You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. There's a great debate about how much ammo that you should have on hand. And I would say simply more than you would expect to need. Some express it as a specific number. Some folks say that they would have a thousand rounds or 500 rounds or a case or 10,000 rounds for each caliber that they have. Well, in good times, we're also going to include practice ammo, but today it's whatever you can get. So let's look at some of the ammo that we might want to consider or should consider. First is defense ammo. Now we're talking about handgun to start with here. And I do believe that you need some ammo for each caliber that you have. And I mean, whatever that caliber might be, that you have some ammo for that caliber. Now, the larger the caliber, the more ammo that you probably want to store. 45, 40, 9 millimeter. I'd say a minimum 200 to 500 rounds of each of those calibers that you have. But that could vary. And you don't have to have 200 rounds or 500 rounds of every caliber. And a good example is I have my mother's 32 caliber revolver. I have my dad's 25 ACP. I have a box of ammo for each of those. There might come a time that I could use those for certain particular tasks, but it's not something that I'm going to keep a couple of hundred rounds for each one of those. The 32 is more of a fun shooting little gun, but I could give that to a very young teenage grandson if I needed to. If we were out doing something, we were out hunting, say, for squirrels. He could carry a 32 and could handle it very well. So we need to look at our defense uh, ammo, decide what we need, and have some ammo for each caliber. Let's talk about rifle ammo for a moment. First thing that we're going to look at is defense ammo. And here I would say definitely have more than you think you'll need. And that's your decision. I can't put a number on that for you, but have enough to get the job done. Whatever that defensive ammo is, whether it's 556, 223, 308, 7.62, you have enough to do whatever you think you might have to do and then add a little bit to that, but it's a decision you'll have to make. Now let's look at hunting ammo. Now we're talking about small game. I'd say stock up on that ammo. 22, maybe even a few thousand rounds of ammo. 22 is a fun little plinking rifle. It's a great little rifle to start kids out with. 
22 long rifle can be used in pistols or in long guns. And so it's relatively cheap if you can find it. I know we're complaining about the price of ammo at this point and the price of a box of 22 shells. And growing up as a kid, I remember 22 shorts were 69 cents and 22 long rifles were 79 cents. And that kind of dates my age, but we're used to having ammo that we can buy at a very, very reasonable price. And here we are. I heard about one of the gun shows this past weekend, and they were selling just astronomical prices is what they were asking for the ammo that they had. And the same thing for guns as well. But for small game, 22 caliber is a very good round to have. And so stock up every time you get an opportunity, add a couple of hundred rounds or one of the 500 round boxes or something like that. Put it in the drawer, put it in the gun safe and just stock up on that. If we ever get to a total grid down SHTF situation and we're having to scrounge for food, that 22 ammo is going to come in very handy. Same thing with centerfire, large game, when we're looking at deer, elk, moose, anything that you might need to be hunting, especially hunting for meat, hunting to feed the family. Could be 30 30, 270, 30 out 6, 6.5, 7 millimeter. Whatever it is you use to hunt, stock up on some of that ammo. Now, this is not where you need a thousand rounds, in my opinion. You don't need a thousand rounds of 30 out six if you're shooting a bolt action rifle. But I, I try to, to keep, I have the idea of having a hundred rounds of ammo for each of my center fire hunting rifles. And that should carry me through with anything that I would need to do, even over an extended period of time. Now, 223 and 556 can be used for hunting something like whitetail deer especially if you get the newer hunting rounds. Some of the manufacturers are coming out with some pretty good hunting rounds for 223. Now, most of the time we wouldn't think of 223 or 556 as a deer round, but it can be done. And the very first deer I ever killed was killed with a 223, and it was a headshot. It's all I had to hunt with at that particular point in time. Let's talk about a shotgun for a moment. And a shotgun is a great weapon to have. I would suggest that every prepper have at least one shotgun. It can do double duty. With buckshot, you can use it for home defense, personal defense. You can also use it for hunting. You can hunt deer with buckshot. You can't shoot them as far away as you can with a centerfire rifle, such as a 270 or 30-06, or even a 30-30. But you can hunt deer with that buckshot. But in addition to the buckshot, you need to have some game loads, such as number four for turkey, number six for rabbit and squirrel, or seven and eight for dove, quail, other types of fowl. And having an adequate supply of those on hand just enhances your ability to get through whatever situation we might be placed in. Also, food and water. And here you have to decide what your par level is for food and water. You might be prepping for three, six, nine, twelve months or more, but what's your personal comfort level? 
Now here we're talking about practical prepping. We're not talking about doomsday prepping. We're not talking about living in the woods for a year or underground for a year in a bunker and then repopulating the earth afterwards. We're talking about practical prepping situations that we will get into, whether it's weather related or even this COVID situation that all the lockdowns, how long could you go without having to go to the store? We could encounter something much more serious than the COVID and we could have to be much more locked down than we were during COVID, even though I know that we went several weeks with that 15 days to flatten the curve. We pretty much locked everything down, but how long could you go without having to go to the grocery store? Now, when we talk about water, I'd say store enough to match your food. There's no need to have three months worth of food and three weeks worth of water. If you've got three months worth of food and you're depending on this to be able to carry you through whatever situation, even if it's a job loss or something like that, you need to have water that matches the supply of food that you have. Unless you have a ready supply, such as a well or a spring or a creek, and even then you're going to need to have several ways to purify water. You might be living off of a well, and that might be a good supply for you. I'd say have a backup way to get it out of there if you lose power. You could be living very close to a spring that's fresh water. Even that I would still treat before I gave it to my family. Now, there are certain prepping equipment items that we don't plan to be without. And we've talked about some of these at times, but and keep in mind, this is our personal list. And these are things that we don't plan to be without. One is alternate lighting and heat. You need to have that alternative lighting flashlights, LED lanterns, propane lanterns, whatever it is, you need that alternative lighting. And you also need that alternative heat. We have and we used this past weekend as we traveled into an area where we had 28 degrees. At night, we were using our Mr. Heater Big Buddy, and it just warmed the place up very well for us but we're not going to be without some type of alternative heating. We also are going to have some type of alternative cooking equipment and food. It could be a camp stove. It could be a propane stove. It could be wood. It can be just about anything that you want to have for alternative cooking equipment. And we use several different options there, including our propane grill. Now, we also are not going to be without machetes and axes. A machete is great for cutting up small firewood. An axe can split firewood. But those are things that we keep on hand. They're out in the garage, and we have them if we need them. Same thing with shovels, hammers, nails, tarps. We're going to have those on hand. Tarps can be purchased at a relatively inexpensive price, and we keep a couple of the 8 by 10 10 by 12 and then I try to keep at least one of like a 10 by 20 that I could cover a vehicle or a roof or something like that if I need to. We're also going to keep a certain number of knives and sharpeners on hand. We've got our EDC. 
We've got our fixed blade. We've got the ones in our car bags that we carry that can be used if we're away from home and we need a much heavier duty knife. That's just some of the equipment that we have that we're not going to be without. And so that's kind of our par level. We've got two axes out in the garage. We break the handle on one. We've got the other. Same thing with shovels. You just never know when you're going to need one of those. If we get into a sanitation issue in a long-term situation, we're going to need those shovels. So figure out what kind of equipment you need to keep on hand and what you need to store. Now, here's where it gets down to the OPSEC when it comes to what we're doing. If you enjoy Practical Prepping Podcast, we ask you to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about it. We also ask you to consider supporting our podcast. You can do that by buying us a cup or two of coffee by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. We appreciate any support to keep this podcast coming to you. Now, in our particular operational survival plan, we have the heading when activating the plan for staying at home. And we've got when activating the plan for leaving home. And we've basically got checklist here of things that we're going to do. And I'll just go through ours. I'll share that with you. And no matter what it is, we're going to practice situational awareness. We're going to be aware of what's going on in our immediate vicinity, what's going on around us in the nearby vicinity. But we're also going to be aware of the situation. These these are situationally dependent. You know, we're going to prepare one way or, or activate one way for a snowstorm versus another for a tornado versus a totally different for a civil disobedience type situation. Uh, If there's riots going in town, we're going to operate a little bit differently than we would those weather situations. But in those kind, no matter what it is, if we are activating, staying at home, bugging in, if we're bugging in, we're armed at all times. It's easy enough to carry a weapon and carry an extra mag of ammo for that. You never know, folks. I'm armed pretty much all the time inside the house. If I'm not wearing my pajamas, I've got my gun on. So you could have some type of a home invasion situation. I've seen those, and I don't want to be looking for a firearm at the time that that's going down. Now, in our particular staying home, bugging in situation, We move our preps into the house. We would literally be moving what we've got in the garage. Now, it wouldn't be all of the tools and everything necessarily, but anything that we would need to make it through the day, auxiliary heat, auxiliary heating items, cooking items, blankets, other things that we have out there for prepping, we would move those into the house and immediately charge all of our devices. Now, we carry these power banks that we can charge with. The one I have over here right now beside me is one of the solar charging banks, and you can charge it up solar. But charging it solar is much slower than plugging it in the wall, but we're going to charge all of our devices. In our particular plan, we're going to move 12-volt battery and inverter inside. It's easy enough to pop one out of one of our vehicles out there and have that 12-volt battery with an inverter inside 
And that's so that if we do lose power, we can monitor local and national television. We also can monitor VHF and UHF as well as HF ham frequencies from inside the house. And then last on our list here is that we're going to establish communications and consult with our family. I've told you how ham radio operators can use Echolink to be able to talk great distances. We've got one son-in-law that's 100 miles away and another son-in-law that's 400 miles away. Both of them are technician class licensees at this point but we can go to the echo link and be able to communicate with them. And you can use that for a while after a power situation goes down because usually those are on emergency backup power to give you as much as a few days, even if they don't have generator power, their battery power can take you as much as a few days to be able to use that. Now, if we are bugging out, Situational awareness is still the first item on the list. This is to remind us, uh, it's just a constant reminder to be aware of what's going on around us. Now here on our list, we've got ammo up before going outside. This is where we're going to probably carry more than one magazine of ammo. This is where if you put on the vest or put on one of our photography type vests, there's going to be several magazines of ammo in there as well. We're going to ammo up when we're going outside. Another thing that we're going to do is we're going to use a buddy system. Krista and I are going to be watching each other's back. If she's out there cooking, I'm going out to keep an eye on her back. If I'm out there doing something, she's going to be out there. We're not both bent over doing something at the same time where we can't keep our eyes on our surroundings and what is going on there. Now, what we've put on here is pack up, then load up, OPSEC. What we're going to do, I mentioned some of the things in the garage. I mentioned we have food storage here in the house. We're going to get everything near the back door before we ever go outside. We're going to pack up inside. We're going to move the stuff to the back door. We're going to pull a vehicle up that's actually pulling a trailer. We're going to load the trailer up, and we're going to watch each other's back as we're doing that as well. But we're going to stay inside the house, move everything to the back door, and then make the move all at one time as we load it out. Before we leave, we're going to transfer all the fuel out of any other vehicles that we possibly can. If we're bugging out, there's no need in leaving 15 gallons of fuel here if we have the cans to transport it. So we're going to top off whatever vehicle we're taking. We're going to load up the fuel cans that we have stored and any other containers that we can possibly put gasoline in. We're going to safely put gasoline in. We're going to load that up from the other vehicles before we go. And then before we leave here on our bug out plan is turn off the water and the power. Hopefully, if we ever have to bug out, it's a situation that we will eventually be able to return home. We don't want there to be some type of situation that causes pipes to burst, ruins flooring, ruins any of the anything in the house. We, we don't want that ruined because of that. We don't want the power on for the possibility of some fire starting. So if we had to bug out, we'd cut the power and the water before we go. Now, here's how we would load it out. Now, our get-home bags stay in our vehicles. We'd be taking one vehicle, most likely. So the bug-out bag from the other vehicle would go over into that one. 
Then we would start loading out. And interestingly, and I wrote part of this during some of the COVID thing, we'd load out the toilet tissue. Uh, We'd go ahead and put that in the trailer and have that ready to go. Our bug out location is another family's home some distance away. And not knowing what they might have, we'd want to take whatever we could. On here, we'd take all guns, A-L-L guns, all guns and ammo. If we're bugging out, we're not leaving any here that someone else could possibly take and use. And we're going to take whatever ammo we possibly can. Now, I've listed this next one out in individual things, radio, tuner, chargers, but we're taking all the ham radio equipment. We're going to take wire and what I call my radio box. This is a plastic container, snap top lid that has several trays in it. It's one of the very hard plastic orange side black top. I've got soldering irons in it. I've got more HTs in it. I've got connectors. I've got coax. I've got tools in there. And we also have nearby several rolls of wire, 14 and 16 gauge wire that we would load out as well for wherever we're going. We're probably going to want to set up an HF antenna once we get there. We'll load up all the water, load up all the medications and first aid stuff that's here in the house. This is all going to the back door. Remember, we're staging it at the back door and then load it up all at one time. And just to, this is kind of a checklist for us to carry boots, shoes, and extra clothing, carry blankets, cold weather, and rain gear. There's an entry on here for bleach, soap, toiletries, and wipes. And then we're going to throw a stack of towels out of the closet into the Jeep as well. We may be having to bathe on the road somewhere. Our list of other things include cell phones, laptops, tablets, if they're operable. We've got an entry here for taking our big rolls of tinfoil, grabbing the Ziplocs and the trash bags, We also would pick up that binder with the necessary papers and documents, photographs that are in there. We would pull several prepper books off of our shelves. And then from the garage, we would be loading up some tools and power tools and generators. And the last thing here is that we would take all of the 12-volt car batteries out of each one of the vehicles and the several inverters that we have. That might let us, while in a campsite somewhere, we might be able to have some 12-volt and inverter electricity. We might be able to use a ham radio off of that, but it just gives us several more batteries to carry as well. Now, I know that's gone through kind of rapidly, but that's our operational survival plan That's what we look at doing, some of our thoughts that went into the process of doing that. And hopefully this will give you some idea of how you need to have an operational survival plan that you can put into place, already made, into a checklist. And it's just like our, I call it my master packing list. We traveled this past weekend And I opened that up on my tablet and I just check them off in check boxes. I check each item that's on there. And if I do that, then I've not forgotten the things that I need to have when we are traveling away from home. So keep these in mind, play with the idea, 
Look at making an operational survival plan, making checklists of what you would need to load out. If you need to put where it's located, you can do that. And you can just have an idea so that if it comes down to bugging in or bugging out, you already have a plan. You already have things written down that you need to carry with you and a way to carry those. So until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. And please leave us a five-star review. That helps more people be able to hear this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. Email at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.